but it's really cool that we got um, we're finishing off our stretch marks series this morning. But there's a couple of things I want to talk about before I get into this morning's message. Firstly, our lift groups have finished for term three. And um, I know that I really enjoy it. Working through the book of Mark, it was the first time we've ever done something like that. It was massive, 22 weeks in the book of Mark, and we covered every single verse, step by step. We got to the end, so that's done, well done. Uh, next term, we got a whole bunch of new groups up and running. You can sign up for the groups on, the, on our app, or you can head off over to the yellow table uh, and sign up as well. Uh, I know that there are lots of great groups that are going to be running in the next term. You've got to slip a paper on your chair or every second chair letting you know what is all about. And, um, and then next week we head into a brand new series. It's called The Gifts of the Spirit. And we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit uh, and particularly the giftings that we can receive from the Holy Spirit. And I'm really excited for that series because I believe that God wants to do something really new and fresh, bring us confidence into what He wants to do in our lives. And, and it kind of ties in with stretch marks because stretch marks is all about change. It's all about us getting ourselves uh, ready for what God wants to do in our lives. And guess what? When the Spirit is at work in your life, it demands, He demands change. And so hopefully we get used to change so that when we talk about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is demanding and working change in our lives for the better, uh, it is something that we go, yes, I can actually do that. And so... And that's next week. We're going to be starting off talking about some myths and misunderstandings. Myths, understandings. Myth, understandings <laughs> of the Holy Spirit. And uh, uh, I'm really excited for that. I think it's going to be awesome. And um, so today we finish off our Stretch Mark series. And it has been a bit disjointed in terms of uh, we had week one and then a break, week two and then a break, and then finally week three today. Uh, but in week one, we talked about how we need to change, how we need to change in order to grow. We talked about the work of growth um, and how that is really important in our lives. We talk about three things that we need in our lives to be able to do the work of growth. And then a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the pain of growth and the pain of growth being that we need to learn how to persevere through pain because Perseverance builds character, uh, but in the middle of uh, pain and, and, and suffering, we remember that we can look forward to the goal of growing, of completion of what God wants to do in our lives. And so today, I want to talk about the in-between space of growth, or if you will, the here and there of growth. And um, that's a real picture that I took. No joke, it was on my iPhone, and that literally is in the middle of Perth and I think Mandra? I think so. No, it's not Geraldton. That's literally where, you know, the, the pie place is? Anyway, Pinjara. It's not halfway between here and Mandra. It's between, I think they're just literally saying that that's the middle of nowhere, except that they have pies. But anyway, that's. Just letting you know that my photography skills are for hire. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> but the in-between space of growth, and if you can turn with me to your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Psalm 84 and the first seven verses this morning. And this is what it says. 
How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. And, and, and these four verses, you know, it, it really has this sense of praise. And we've been singing about that this morning. We're singing about pursuing God and His presence and how beautiful it is to be near to God, right? But there is this switch in verse 5, and in verse 5 to 7 where we're going to be camping on today, it says this, As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appear before God in Zion. And we're going to be talking about those three verses uh, but a couple of weeks ago, I learned a new word. I'm a nerd and I love learning and I'm currently going through um, a course. And during this course, I was introduced to this word called liminality. Liminality. Or sometimes it's also called liminal space. A liminal space. And what a liminal space basically is, is that in between space. See, the word liminal actually comes from the Latin word limens. L-I-M-E-N-S, limens, and limens uh, means threshold. And so it, it, someone decided to take the word limens and make it liminality. And basically, liminality is when you cross one threshold of the old, but you haven't crossed the next threshold of the new. And so you're in between thresholds, and so you're in a liminal space. The word Limbo, when you're left in limbo, comes from this word liminality. And so when you feel caught between two places, that's feeling uh, you're in limbo, you're in a liminal space. In a very practical way, you could say that when you leave your home for work, but you haven't gone to work yet, it is uh, you're in a liminal space. Uh, but, but in a, an emotional way, uh, there is also a liminal space. Uh, um, for example, I have learned over the last few months that parenting is a perpetual liminal space. You, you never get secure. You never are home when it comes to parenting. You, you know, you learn a few things about your child. Your child likes to be comforted in this way. And so you learn that way and, and you start to do that action to comfort your child. And it works for about two weeks. And then that child no longer gets comforted in the same way. And you are left in this liminal space where it's like, my child is crying, is not being comforted in the old way, I need to find a new way. And so you're trying different things, you're doing all sorts of stuff until you arrive, oh, now he gets comforted this way. And then it goes on for another couple of weeks and then he stops being comforted that way. And then you are now left in this place in experimenting and like, oh my gosh, will he ever shut up? And then you kind of get to that place, oh, you have shut up and you're beautiful again for two weeks and it kind of goes on and and even with playing with my son I have to learn uh, how to how to play with him he 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 was really fun when uh, when we first were placed with Sam um, he he would laugh when you pretend sneezed in his face literally you're like hachu and he's like ah this is the best thing ever and it worked for about three months and now you do it and he kind of stares at you like oh, what you're spreading COVID on me um, even to the point of how close I can physically be to Sam. Because, yes, you can see this little mark here. 
He literally clawed me yesterday. The little guy thinks that he's an eagle or a cat or something. Now I'm in a liminal space of how close can my face be to you? I'm like, can I be here? No, can I? No, I don't want to be here. I want to be. And it's a liminal space. Parenting is a liminal space, but it also encompasses so many other relationships. When you are in a romantic relationship, when you first get together, you are learning how life works with this new person and you are in a liminal space. And I think God has, in his great wisdom, He has given us something called the honeymoon period. In dating, it literally is a thing. You you started dating, your life is completely turned upside down, and there's a one change that we ever like in our life because of the honeymoon phase, uh, because everything is perfect. Oh, this person makes my life so different and it's so good. How many times does a person say that outside of a relationship? Oh, my life is so different. No, no. It's like, oh, it's turned upside down. That's what we normally say. But somehow in a dating relationship, it's okay because you're in a honeymoon phase and then the honeymoon phase disappears and you're like, what have I got myself into? Liminal space. The liminal space is important because it is a space that we all have to go through in order to undergo change. A very simple way of talking about liminal space are the two words here, and you just add another letter, and you go there. And in between is the liminal space. In order to travel from here to there, you go through a liminal space. And to help me explain Here and there, I've got a very serious, important clip to show you. And so the team's going to jump on and they're going to put it on for you to learn the difference between here and there. (laughs) So here and there. And that's that's the problem with the liminal space is that we are neither here nor there. And it creates in us a bit of an anxiety. It creates in us a bit of a sense of discomfort, confusion. And the reason for that is because when we look at here, when we are here, here is helpful because here is where I have built home. This is where I have a solid structure. I know how things are supposed to work. And I have spent my time putting things together in the way that I understand. And so when I am here, I know where I am. And that is how here works. However, when I leave here, traveling to there, when I step into this space, it is unsettling because I am no longer home. And that is what the theory of liminality is. Liminality includes three phases, and I'm going to quickly explain these three phases of liminality to you. The three phases of liminality is phase one, where I destroy here, destroy. And I'm going to show you why in a little while. Destroy here, and then I will go through chaos, because here is destroyed, I have no home, and only after going through the phase of chaos where here has been destroyed, I go to phase three, which is transformation. 
Okay? So, destruction, chaos, transformation. Why that happens is because we need to change who we used to be, destroying the old sense of who we are, which plunges us necessarily into a phase of chaos. And through the phase of chaos, doing the work of chaos, we arrive at a place where we are brand new. And the Bible has a lot to say about this in that very psalm that we spoke about. In those three verses, I want to show you how the Bible teaches us to go through liminality. See, the first part, he's, uh, the psalmist writes, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Now, the word pilgrimage just simply means that you are traveling to a holier place. You're traveling to a place that you know you're going to be meeting with God. You're traveling to a, a, a very significant sacred place. And, and when I saw that verse, the thing that, that came to mind is that in the first four verses of this psalm, where it says, blessed, uh, how lovely is your dwelling place. My soul yearns, faints for the courts of the Lord. I used to read that verse from the perspective of here. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord. My soul yearns to stay here in your presence. You see, because of the security of here, we often think that this is where God is. This is how God works, right? And so we tend not to want to go there because why should I leave this beautiful place where God meets with me here? But the psalmist goes they go from strength to strength, leaving here because they realize there is where the courts of the Lord is. And so they start to travel through pilgrimage and they enter into the liminal space. But if my heart is set on pilgrimage to get there, it, I go from strength to strength and I get there. And this is where I want to show you why it is necessary for us to go through destruction. Because so often when we enter into the liminal space, the in-between space, the old here now becomes there. Right? I wish I had a little marker just to write a little T so that when I'm standing here, that's there and that's there. And so when I'm standing here, I am now choosing between two theirs. And when I don't destroy the old here, I look at that structure and I go, hmm. And then I look over at the unknown there. The place where God is, but I have not experienced. The place where God says he's going to be, but I have never met him there. The place where God says, I will provide, but I have never experienced provision in that way. And so that place there is shrouded in mystery, but the old here looks very inviting. And so if I don't set my heart on pilgrimage, if I don't destroy here, when I'm in the liminal space, it is so much easier. The human condition is always towards safety and security. 
The human desire is firstly that I am safe and secure. That is what we all will search for. And so when I'm in the liminal space, it's easy for me to want to come back here. And so what I necessarily need to do if I'm going to make it all the way over there is to do this. I have to look back at old here and look at that and go, I can't go back to that mess. I can't go back to that place. That is not where security is. That is not where comfort is. That is not where God's courts are. Now, let me just make a thing, a a quick note. I'm not saying that God physically leaves us. I'm not saying that we need to travel to these holy physical places to meet with God. But I'm talking about how God desires for us to grow. And I'm going to show this to you in one very quick verse. In 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, it says this, And we all, we who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Read that. And being transformed. Being transformed. You see, when we come into a relationship with God, He meets us where we are. And He showers us with love and salvation. And and it's a beautiful thing. But God then says, travel with me there. You see, grace loves me for where I'm at, but grace doesn't leave me in a mess of my here. Rather, grace empowers me to travel to there. And so if I want to experience the fullness of what God is doing in my life, I have to leave here in order to go there. Why would God save me from my past just to leave me in my past? Why would God save me from my bondage and my oppression and my old self and then leave me with that old self? But the problem is, the space between here and there isn't as close as we think. Sometimes we think God says, have salvation, I'm there. Oh no, oh, (laughs) there's over there. And I have to go there. And so we need to set our hearts on pilgrimage because God is transforming us again and again and again into His likeness until we meet with Him in glory. Let me just put a little dampener on this whole message. The final there is not within our grasp yet. The final there is at the end of time. But God is promising that we can get pretty close as we set our hearts on pilgrimage. And so we continue to read this. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, as they pass through the valley of Baca. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains cover it with pools. Now, the valley of Baca is possibly a literal space somewhere in the Middle East, But I think that even if it is a physical space, the author of this psalm was simply trying to show us the quality of this middle ground. The the word baka literally means weeping and lament. Weeping, you know, when when I was getting ready for this, I was like, God, no one signs up for this. How am I supposed to convince all of these well-educated people 
Leave the security of your here and go through weeping and lament. Anyone want to follow? Yeah. All the men are like, yeah. Weeping and lament. That's what I woke up wanting to do this morning. I wanted to go to church and I wanted someone to shout at me, let's praise the Lord and weep and lament. Why do we need to go through weeping and lament? Why does God demand that for us to go from here to there, we go through Baca weeping and lament? Well, because maybe weeping and lament isn't as terrible as we think it is. Psychologically speaking, so many of us are trapped here because we don't know how to lament. That's psychological fact. When we lose something and we don't lament, we never move on. This continues to stay home, except home looks pretty darn broken right now. And then it's like, well, at least I've got this. Look there, nothing. And it scares us. You see, what, 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 what lament actually means is protest. You know that the book most associated with worship is the book of Psalms. 150 chapters of adoration and worship towards the Lord. Half of them are about lament. Half of the worship book is about lament. If I can draw your attention as well to the whole book of Job. If you read the book of Job, it is one of the most depressing books in the Bible. It's about a man who's lost everything and has chapter after chapter of him railing against the Lord, saying, why is this happening to me? Come down, meet with me, show me what I've done wrong. I'll repent, but I have done nothing wrong. So why is this happening to me? You call yourself just, you call yourself fair, you call yourself righteous, Lord, but you see the evil people and how they flourish and how I'm left in the dirt. And then he's got three other friends who are with him. Job's got three friends and they start to tell him that maybe he needs to properly repent. Then God will bless him. And he can go there. He just needs to repent. But Job's like, I've done nothing wrong. And the three friends on and on again said, Job, you think you're so good, you're so self-righteous, you need to humble yourself and come before the Lord and all of that. And finally, at the end of the book, God rocks up and he begins to talk to these four men. And he says to the three friends, Job has spoken correctly about me. What? What? Job has spoken correctly about me. Job said, Evil people are flourishing, and God's forgotten me. Yeah, Job was right. How do we reconcile that? You see, Christianity is not about happy, clappy, God is good, and when I have faith, I will get there. Christianity is about a journey from here to there, and it includes this space of weeping and lament. And it includes us having a space where we protest what God has done or what we understand of what God is doing. 
And we don't, as churches, often provide the space for you to do that. We'll sing praises to our Lord about how good and how faithful it is, but it's a lot harder to write songs about how, God, you have forsaken me. Half of the Psalms. Half of the Psalms. Half of our worship lives. It's actually about protest and discomfort at being in a liminal space. What does that look like? I, I, don't, I don't really know. Honestly, as your pastor, I don't have a clue as to how we provide spaces for people to protest because, honestly, I'm doing really well. I don't really need a protest place, space right now. I'm in a praise space. I'm, I feel like I'm there. Maybe God's going to whack out my little play structure soon and, and, and I'll need it. But right now, I think, I think I'm there. I'm at the current there of my journey. But we need to be okay with protesting. And, and I do remember that when I was going through a, a loss in my life and, and, and it was really difficult for me. And, and I remember I was on the band and I was playing the keyboard and just halfway through, I just started to go, I don't know how to worship right now. I don't know how to worship right now. And, 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 and I was standing on stage, and, and back in my old church, the stage was high. And I was like, everyone could see Nate as he wept over the keyboard. There were no words coming out. There was no praise on my lips. There was no blessing coming out in that moment, simply sorrow and weeping, and inside me, protest. You're supposed to be good. You're supposed to love me. But here I am. I don't know how long this space lasts because I think every person in every situation is slightly different. But for me, that lasted for three months. Where worship didn't fully dry up, but it was difficult. It didn't stop, but neither was it free-flowing. And in that space, I actually, in the middle of my chaos, I think what was happening was this. I started to look at the pieces that was left of here, and I went, maybe I can bring you there. Maybe that's okay to keep. But you clearly don't belong. See, when, when the structure is in a comfortable place, we don't examine it. We don't look at it closely. We simply go, yeah, that, that is what it is. You know, some of you need to allow God to challenge your perception of is or am. I am a conflict avoider. Really? I am a perfectionist. Really? I am depressed. Really? I am anxious. Really? I am a good singer. <laughs> really? I don't know. Maybe you should stop singing the shower and sing to someone else and let them tell you what it is. You might be a red. But it's only in the chaos that we examine. And it's in the chaos that we go, I'm not going to take any of those. These I can keep. And these I'll bring with me, rebuild, 
And that's what transformation looks like. Now, the picture is supposed to be completed when I have more blocks, as God gives me more blocks. But hopefully, you get the picture of what chaos is about. But read this. It says, as they pass through, not camp and stay forever, but to pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. And so this valley, this dry place, this low place, this place where it's difficult to travel through, as you weep and lament, the weeping and lament gives you the resources to continue on your journey. See, I don't know how lament is supposed to work fully, but the protest that I issue from my lips somehow brings me to a place of understanding my struggle, but also understanding what I have. And as I understand my struggle and I understand what I have, it gives me the resource to keep on going. In the middle of my chaos and in the middle of my loss, I studied harder than I ever did about who God is and whether I can trust Him. In the middle of my chaos, that was when I had question after question of whether God is truly good, whether God really loves me. But in the middle of that chaos, I put my roots down and I started to learn. Without that chaos, I would have been happy happy just taking things for granted but because I was in the valley of Baca because I was weeping and lamenting God was giving me resource that I'm still drawing from today when you skip lament when you skip this place you are weak you have not built resources into your life And the next time chaos comes, you start looking at the last few blocks that you've got and you go, maybe I'll go to alcohol. Stuff it. Why am I even trying anymore? Maybe God isn't really there for me. Well, God's not here for you because God's taking you there where his courts are. But there's this beautiful line where the psalmist writes, After they make it a place of springs, the autumn rains also cover it with pools. And I thought that was really interesting because rain is always associated with God's sovereign work. We can't make rain happen as much as you can dance yourself happy. Your rain dance doesn't work. God sends the rain. And so God sends not just any kind of rain, but autumn rain. Why autumn rain? See, autumn rain is a very specific kind of rain. The autumn rain comes after the harvest has concluded, when the soil is still hard, and the autumn rain comes, softens the soil, and allows the farmer to know it's time to sow again. You're not catching this. It's time to sow again. The old harvest is done. The old fruit is done. The new fruit is coming, but it is dependent on whether I am understanding that now is the time. You see, without the liminal spaces, we don't grow because we don't sow. Without the liminal spaces where we struggle and lament and create pools in the middle of nowhere, or so it feels, that is when God sends the autumn rains, preparing the soil of our heart for the new harvest that He is about to bring. So without this space, we don't get there. 
Without this space, you will always only have the old fruit. But God is wanting to bring new fruit into your life. And see what happens. They go from strength to strength to each appear before God in Zion. Why does that happen? It's because I have done my liminal space well. When we get used to change, it doesn't mean that we're okay with change. It doesn't mean that change emotionally doesn't cost us. It doesn't mean that change feels good to us. It doesn't mean that we will just be on this linear exponential path towards greatness. The Bible describes liminality as a valley of lament and then weeping, but without the valley, you don't have the heights. Without the valley, you don't get the new harvest. So where are you on this journey? Are you stuck here? Have you set your heart on pilgrimage? Or are you still holding on for dear life, saying, don't make me leave home? Are you in a place of chaos where certain losses have really rocked you and you really want to go back? But you know you're supposed to go forward, but that freaks you out even more. Because the truth is, even if I make it in this current part of my journey there, there becomes here, and as I mentioned, there's another there. And if I don't do liminality well, why would I want to go through that again? I scraped myself through to there. Can I stay here for the next hundred years? Can I stay here? I've done all the work, God. God's like, you see me? You know my character? I've got more for you. I want that more, but I don't want that liminal space. Can we make a bargain, God? Little bit less growth, little bit less pain. We can do it slowly. That's what we do, isn't it? Hard times come. You know why hard times come? It's because we don't want to leave here. Genuinely, I believe that often hard times come because we are so stuck sitting here that God sends COVID-19 to knock you off the chair and to go, oh, oh, what the heck was that all about? You know, some of you are not using your pain well because you go, oh, oh, too much work. Quick, build. Let's get this going again. Yes, it looks nothing like before, but it will do. I know this is not the most exciting message like let's all practice weeping and lament now but my heart is not to itch your ears my heart's to teach you principle and truth there is a liminal space of growth that we all go through again and again and again and i want this church to be a church full of genuine vulnerable people where you can find a listening ear for your protests 
someone that's not going to throw at you some Christian platitudes. Oh, just have more faith. I have all the faith that I need, but right now I need someone to care that right now it doesn't feel like God cares for me. You know, in the middle of my chaos, I found a few amazing people that were just shoulders to cry on. They didn't say much. In fact, they often didn't say much at all. Sometimes I wanted them to give me the answers, but they weren't giving any answers. They're just saying, yeah, sounds difficult. I, I do remember once that I was, I called my mentor up probably about five times a week for about four weeks. I think he got tired of me and he just said, but Nate, you already know. I was like, I do, but I don't. And he was like, nah, you're fine. I'm like, I think he just got tired of listening to me. And sometimes that's need, needed as well, but I want us to be a church that does provide space for us to properly and healthily weep and lament from time to time. I do have, oh gosh, I've run out of time. But I do have a video that I do want to show. It's a song that Hillsong wrote a few years ago. Um, it was a song that, that is about pain, is about loss. It's about learning how to praise in the middle of the valley. It's a difficult song. Um, it's a song that hopefully helps you to understand that lament is okay. But before I do, I do really want to just put out a call. That if, you, if these spaces rings a bell to you and you think that God's not there for you, God's the only safe place for you. You will never be in control of everything that happens in this world. You will never be secure in yourself and everything that you do. You will always feel that there is something lacking. Even if this is the most comfortable space that you are in, you will always be looking somewhere else longingly, but you'll be just too scared to leave here. And that's just the way that life is going to be for you. It doesn't have to be that way because my God is saying that I am going to walk with you and journey with you to there. And I'm going to reveal myself to you and I'm going to show you that my love never ends. And I'm going to show you that my love is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. That's the Christian journey. No holes barred and not trying to dupe you in into some crazy relationship with God and at a click of a finger you'll get whatever you want. No, that's not my God. My God has a greater interest in you than those kind of genies. My God actually wants you to go from strength to strength, wants to give you new fruit and new harvest. And that is what He's promising you. So this morning, if you do want to invite that God into your life, can, you, can we just have everyone just close your eyes for a moment? And just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I know that I have sinned. I know I've fallen short. But I want to invite you into my life. Wash me clean and make me whole. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Live Church or on Facebook at Live Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.